You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Sex and relationship advice you can use tonight. Welcome to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. It's 2020, first podcast of the year. I'm your co-host, Brandon Ware, here with my lovely other half, Dr. Jess. I'm pretty excited for 2020. Pretty excited. What what particularly excites you about 2020? Space travel. Space travel. Flying cars. <laughs> it's 2020. I'm teleporting everywhere. Robots that clean my house and make me smoothies. I'm pretty it, sure there are robots that will clean the house. Listen, I'm just excited for the Jetsons. Yes, which is what, <laughs> let me guess, what I watched as a child, right? Well, tell me this. Was the Jetsons set in 2020? Because it seemed like it was set in 2020. It did. They had flying cars. We're not there. Other than that, I don't know anything about the show. Contrary I, to what you believe, I did not watch that as a child. I think they had a robot dog. They did have a dog. I don't think it was a robot dog. Mm, underneath it, it was a robot. Yes, it was a robot. Agreed. So anyhow, I'm excited for this year. It's the very beginning. We had a pretty nice holiday. Yeah, definitely. I hope everyone had a good holiday. It was fairly relaxing. I'm a little still under the weather. You're getting under the weather. This is my fault. Yeah, I'm going to throw you under the bus on this one. Am I getting sick because of you? Did you use my toothbrush? I used somebody's toothbrush the other day. <laughs> Don't know whose it was. Probably if somebody was cleaning with it. <laughs> Did you use the cleaning toothbrush? My mouth felt bleachy clean when we were done. <laughs> I knew your morning breath was just a little bit better. Yeah, it was very vimy. <laughs> so we had a pretty good holiday. Feeling, I'm feeling relaxed. Um, I'm not as refreshed as I would have liked to have been for the start of the year. And I know you're more of a sentimental person, like wanting to do things a certain way to set the tone. Interestingly, I was reading that the tradition of wanting to be doing something specific at midnight at the start of the year comes from our shameful past. So the idea that, oh, I should be spending time with whomever I love, or if I'm having a good time at midnight, it means I'm going to have a great year. I was reading this actually comes from the shameful past of slavery. Hmm. Mm -hmm. That's Not very good. No, that slaves would be families in slavery would be extra nervous for January 1st because this was the date when their owners could lease them out to another property. So this was a time when families became separated from one another. So something that we see as this, you know, perhaps positive or sentimental tradition is perhaps related to, you know, our sordid history of, it's, it's such a weird thing to say to even the, the notion of owning people but I think it's important we talk about it because it wasn't that long ago because folks we know still have surviving relatives who who were affected and of course in in America if we look at America black Americans are still affected by this history and across the world we we deal with modern day slavery and you know you and I visit places that are modern day colonialism where people are working for unacceptably low wages in unacceptably um, dangerous and inhumane conditions yeah, it's frightening. I had no idea that the uh, the history of that idea of what you were doing on New Year's Eve stemmed from that. So clearly a little more edu education I need to be uh, 
digging into to make sure I know what's going on here. Well, me too, all of us. I was just reading one article that doesn't make me anything except somebody who read an article and is repeating it. But it, it's it's interesting because this year at midnight, I thought about it differently. I was like, okay, so this is, has nothing to do with, you know, just good luck or good vibes or anything like that. Although we, we had, you know, moving from a, a, a serious and sad and important topic to a, a more light one, one with more levity, levity, we had an exciting New Year's Eve yeah, as always. We were down at GoldenEye in Jamaica, and they had uh, some good DJs, a good band. I got to dance on my head top. If you missed that on Instagram, you need to get over there. Literally, she danced on her head. Yes. And it wouldn't have happened had no one posted it on Instagram. Thank God I had to do it twice. I know. The first time, I didn't catch it. Right. So I actually need a new party trick for 2020, because dancing on my head is old. I've done it twice already. I told you what to do. What? Splits. I can't do the splits, man. Well, you got a year to work on it. Okay. I'm not that flexible, though. I'm a field sports person. (laughs) You're going to run and catch a Frisbee. Yeah. I'll I'll run and catch a football over the edge of a cliff. Uh, Okay. Okay. That, that's the plan for 2020. All right, we, we got to rein this in. Uh, last week, we were talking about sexual values, and we were working through the sexual values questionnaire together, and we talked a lot, and we only made it through a few questions. So we talked about the messages we received about sex growing up, and I think that reflecting upon your past can be helpful, but also understanding the past of your partner or partners can also be quite insightful. We talked about the messages that we want to retain from our youth and the ones that we want to reframe and discard. We talked about what sex means to us and how it's changed over time. We talked about the importance of sex. And I think we started to talk about the emotional components of sex and what we value. And so the second half of the sexual values questionnaire involves a a series of questions that build upon these earlier questions. So we begin with what emotional components of sex do you value? What physical and practical components of sex do you value? What spiritual components of sex do you value? How often do you want to have sex? How do you want to feel before, during, and after sex? And how do you anticipate sex changing over time? And what are the sexual challenges you currently face? And how can you address them? So these are big questions. We're kind of having to do a slightly truncated version. Otherwise, we could be here for hours. But we do encourage you to give the sexual values questionnaire a try. It's on our website at sexwithdrjess.com on the podcast page. And you can work through one question at a time, one a week. You can sit down and do a couple over dinner. You can work your way through the entire questionnaire. You might find that one question leads to a dozen other questions. But let's dive right in rather than, you know, talking about it. Let's give it a try ourselves. Uh, So I want to go back a little because I think we talked about it a little bit last week. But Brandon, beginning with you, what emotional components of sex are important to you? I feel like we should do a speed round for this so that I keep my answers short and sweet. You go ahead. What emotional... Sorry, could you please repeat the question? What emotional components of sex do you value? I value emotionally. Jeez. You know, this is really interesting. Not Not to divert away from the question, but I honestly don't even really know. Like, I... Emotionally, I like that we are connected during sex but right now I'm thinking more just about how I 
feel physically than how I feel emotionally. I think after we have sex, I probably feel more connected to you. I feel more secure with you. Uh, those are just the first two that come to mind. As we work through these questions, I realize that each person interprets them differently. Even me having written them, I interpret it differently than you. So when I think about what emotional components of sex I value, I think about how sex is an emotional experience and how I feel differently after sex and how if we're not having sex, like if we're in a dry spell, I feel differently. And so I think about the emotional outcomes of sex, which for me are feeling safe and feeling loved uh, and feeling satisfied and most importantly, feeling relaxed. That's the big one for me. And in the past, we've talked about our core erotic feelings. And if you haven't listened to that podcast, I suggest you go back and have a listen. Your core erotic feeling being the feeling you most strongly associate with sex. But for me, sex is so emotional. It, it's always emotional. It doesn't matter if it's with a stranger or with a life partner. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's with one person or four people. To me, it's always an emotional experience. And I think that's because I see every interaction and every experience as emotional. I always think about why do people get so upset if someone cuts them off on the road? It's because every every experience produces an emotional reaction. Why are you upset if the barista is rude to you in the morning? Because everything's emotional. And then sex, because it's physical, because it's interpersonal, because for some people it's spiritual, It's the emotion is just so elevated. So I see it as so emotional. I would agree with you. I don't think I would have attributed uh, the, the relaxation feeling as, as emotional as it would have physiological. Well, because I definitely feel that way. Um, well, well, that leads us into the next question, which is what physical and practical components of sex do you value? Well, I certainly enjoy the relaxation response that is uh, elicited by sex. I, I also enjoy, I enjoy the anticipation of sex. Oh, really? But it, but it's changed. Like initially when we first got together, it was the idea of, oh, when are we going to have sex? Right. And as it's evolved over the last almost two decades, now Into the- Into 2020. <laughs> I'm going to say 2020 so much. 2020. But now the anticipation is just a much, for me, a much shorter time frame. Like the anticipation of sex may be between the period at which I get naked and- you know, we start having sex. So that anticipation segment is very short, but I still kind of appreciate that feeling leading up to knowing I'm going to have hopefully some good sex that is going to be relaxing and is going to um, result in a release of that, some of that stress if I have any pent up. So, you know, the anticipation element rolls in for me as well. What about the physical? Like, what do you want to feel during sex? In particular parts of my body, or... <laughs> you just want someone to touch your penis. <laughs> and uh, your left nipple. And, okay. Um, it's true, though. Yep. <laughs> I Did you want me to say something different? Uh, anyway, moving on. Um, no, tell me what physical components of sex are important to you. Well, I mean, I, I almost feel ridiculous answering this because 
I feel like my answers aren't deep enough. I want the physical sense. I want to feel good. I want that physical sensation of release, um, the pleasure element. I don't know what other, maybe I'm thinking too big picture or just big sensations. I don't know what other physical feelings I really want to get out of a, of a, of a, of sex. So I, I want an orgasm. Okay, if I needed to lead with that, yes, that's also what I'm hoping for. No, I always want an orgasm because, you know, I know some people love to have sex and it doesn't matter necessarily to them if they have an orgasm. I am greedy and always want my orgasm. I like to feel physically overwhelmed. I like it to be so physically overwhelming that I'm not worried about like who hears us or where we are or what I have to do after or if I'm late or if I've just gotten ready and I'm about to go out and you mess up my makeup That's and hair. That's the jam. What's that? It's like, you ready to go. And then I am like, let's do this. Yeah, I want to not care. I want to be so physically in the moment. Present is basically it. That I'm not worried about anything else. And I, I think that. I let myself go. Like that's a willingness to let yourself go. And I I think that you don't let yourself go maybe as easily that you're, you're always kind of thinking about like, can anyone hear us? Um, Do we have to be careful? What's happening? And I, I physically and practically for me, I need all of that to be out of the equation. I would agree. I, I'm very aware. I am hyper aware of what's going on around me. So in that sense, I don't ever completely let go. I would agree with your statements that you're greedy, that you want to have an orgasm. I am happy to try and get you there. The Don't worry, I got it. Yeah, yeah. You don't really need me. Um, the you're You're spot on. I am very aware of what's going on around me. So in that sense, I don't know that I am completely present and I have to dig a little deeper as to why I care so much about other people hearing or other, I guess, other distractions that could come into play. But are those things just not important to you? Like, I I think I'm just wondering if we're different because like I like to get so into the experience and it's not for long. It's not like this, you know, three hour long sting tantra you know, marathon. I just like a couple of minutes of not caring about anything else in the world. I think I like the idea of that. But trying to get to that point for me is just very difficult. It's maybe it comes from an upbringing. Maybe it comes from the idea that sex is something that no one else should hear, right? Like if I dig a little bit deeper, no one else should should know. It's something private. I just did air quotes there. Um, It's private, but you're sharing it with everyone. Yeah, well, exactly. On the podcast. But all of these things might lead me down this path where you just never completely disconnect from what's going on around you, just in case somebody does come in or just in case, I don't know, you know, something arises where, uh, I mean, really in this sense, it stops you from being present with what you're experiencing. So for you, is being present that important or do you not really care because you just it just feels good either way? I would agree that it feels good. I don't know. I think I'd have to really try and work at being present where it didn't matter. That's what I think. 
Do you want to? Of course I want to. Do you want to take my mindful sex course? <laughs> I, I, listen, I've, I've watched your courses. I've watched those exercises. I do make an effort. It's, once again, it's being more proactive in doing the things that I need to do to be in the moment and to really just learn not to care and to relax and, and to let go. Yeah, that's a practice. It's not just something you are. So I, now is the time to plug my mindful sex course. You folks should check it out, happiercouples.com. <laughs> but I, I think it's really, uh, for me, it's really helpful even creating the course and going through the exercises. And we went through a few of them, Brynn and I together, but we've, you haven't done the whole course. And to begin with breathing and to begin with mindfulness and to begin with visualization and then work your way up with different touch exercises, for me... Um, it was really life-changing because I feel like we're not as present as we could be. I don't know that I agree that we are not as present as we could be. I think I would take on a lot of that responsibility that my inability to be completely present impacts your ability to be to be in the moment. No, I don't put it on you. I, I honestly don't think it's... No, I don't think it's you. I think it's interesting that you say that. Um well, I mean, I think you do blame yourself first <laughs> and you're really good at taking responsibility, which is good, but it's not, um, I don't think it's you. Like my feelings are my own, right? Where my mind goes is on me. It's so easy to say like, oh, it's my partner or if my partner's not present, then I'm not present. Yeah, that can affect you, but ultimately you're responsible for yourself, meaning I'm responsible for myself. I don't find your, when you're distracted, it doesn't really make me distracted. And if it does, it's because I let it. I would agree with that. I just recall, and I'm not trying to be the hero by saying, oh, it's my fault. I just know that there have been instances where my distraction has affected you. And I think because of okay. that, I, I attribute my inability to be completely present with uh, a distraction for you. Well, the other thing is when I'm distracted, because like, you know, I have my days and I have my work stuff and I have my stresses, I notice that you work really hard to bring me into the moment. And I don't think that I do the same for you. So I think that's something I could work on. Uh, I know that we've kind of veered off on a different path here to question 11. But I do think that when I need you to put me in the moment or need your help getting in the mood, you're really good at doing that for me. Uh, I, and I do wonder if it has to do with gender roles and the notion that like, you know, a, a man is tasked with putting a woman in the mood in the hetero context. Whereas as a woman, maybe I don't feel as motivated to do that. And I think I could be better at it. I don't think, like, I know what I can do to relax you. I know that you're definitely a very physical person. You like to be touched. Um, you like to be close to me. You seem to like the feel of my skin up against you. Uh, I'm a little different where I'm more audio. I like to hear things. I like you to say certain things, but I don't think I work hard enough, not hard enough, but I think I could put in more effort physically to put you, I don't want to say in the mood, because you're in the mood, but to put you in the moment. I will take you up on whatever it is that you're offering happily. <laughs> <laughs> but I also think that I'm good at, you're right, I think I'm good at coming on to you and doing what you need to be in the moment, but I also know that there are certain things that you need to hear that I'm not good at. And again, not taking, not trying to be the hero here. Sexually or emotionally? Yeah, no, sexually. I think there are certain things that I know you like to hear that I am not, I am not so good with the words. Yeah. I joke around about not being very eloquent and not being very, 
very smooth and silky with what I'm trying to say. Uh, and sometimes when we're about to have sex or if we're having sex, I almost feel ridiculous saying the things that I think you need to hear. Or perhaps it's because of what I think you need to hear. Whereas the physical side of things, whether it's touching, holding, grabbing, I feel like I, I feel confident doing what you need. Going back to me, I do think that there are certain things that you could do to help me get in the mood a bit more, but I almost feel like I need to th- sit down and ask myself what those are, because even those change from month to month, day to, you know, day to day, year to year, like what I want now is different than what I wanted a year ago or even two years ago. Actually, one of the components in the 50 video course is a seduction interview. And I know you and I have done that together, but I don't know that we've done it on the podcast. And seduction can be one of the most challenging components of sex in long-term relationships. Uh, actually, I have a book coming out about it, The Ultimate Guide to Seduction and Foreplay with Marla Renee Stewart. And Marla talks about how your learning style affects your seduction style. So if you're a very audio person, she gives tips on how to seduce that type of partner. If you're a more visual person, if you're more of a kinesthetic learner. So, uh, you know, we're, we're actually in Florida right now, and that's where Marla is based, although she jumps all over the world. So maybe we'll try and get her on the podcast to talk about the learning styles, because I think it's a really unique, interesting, and practical approach to seducing your partner, because... You know, my my ideal seduction might be totally different than Brandon's. And so I might do something to him, like I might come on to him really aggressively and bend him over and grab him, and that might not be his thing. And so we have to learn one another's seduction styles and learning styles just like we learn one another's love languages. When you said that, I thought, I, I thought to myself, when did I tell you I wanted to be bent over and grabbed like that. I don't recall saying that. Maybe I did, but... No, I'm saying that's what I would want. And so then I do that to you. I found myself saying things to you that I think you would want to hear. And then you're like, no, that don't work. (laughs) Well, and that's the thing. I mean, you can listen to us talk and you can certainly gain insights from hearing other people's stories. But the only way you can really understand your partner is to talk to that partner. Because something Brandon says might resonate with you or resonate with your partner or somebody might say, oh, you know what, everything Brandon says, so much of what Brandon says really resonates with me. I think we we have a similar seduction style or we have a similar core erotic feeling. But that doesn't mean that everything about about Brandon aligns with your partner. So you have to really, you know, if you want to have the sex, you have to talk about the sex with the person with whom you have the sex. Now, uh, we have to move on to the next question. And and I know, Brandon, you and I could keep talking about this personally forever. Uh, The next question is interesting to me. Uh, What spiritual components of sex do you value? Can you start with that one? Sure. So I think if you'd asked me this six months ago, I would have said I don't really see sex as a spiritual experience. But then I went to a conference called Us Now, in Hamilton, Ontario, a couple of months ago. And this is a conference by and for women of color. And there was a session, several sessions on spirituality that I think broadened my horizon. So I was raised as a Catholic. I am not a Catholic. I, I think a lot of the 
Catholic teachings, some of them resonate with me uh, around doing good, and many of them don't, and especially the way Catholicism has intersected with politics has put me at odds with not just Catholicism, but with religion on the whole. And so because in my teenage years, I came to reject organized religion, and I've carried that with me into my adulthood, I think I've conflated spirituality and religiosity. And at this conference, and I'm not going to be able to do it justice, but the way the speakers opened my eyes to spirituality being more broad than religion and more about a feeling you have that is beyond just yourself. Now it's made me think that I should explore what spirituality means to me. And I'll I'll be totally honest, I just don't know what it means to me. I haven't spent enough time on it. I went to this conference. I thought, oh man, I need to think about this more. I made a couple notes in my notebook. They're actually in my purse right now. And I haven't delved any deeper. You know, of course, you have all these to-do lists, eat better, (laughs) exercise more, get up earlier, get more sleep, uh, have one less drink, uh, work on your spirituality. And a few of those things haven't been checked off the list. So I think that When I think about spirituality and sex, I feel like there's something there that I haven't explored. I'm a little bit lost. I don't know where I stand. And I think if you came back and asked me in six months, I hope that I will have explored it just a little bit more. Of course, being an abstract concept, I don't think I'm ever going to have the answers, right? And I think that's what appeals to people about organized religion. And I I honor and I do respect that, is that they give you more solid answers, right? Like you can take, okay, here's the Vatican stance on this specific issue and you can consider it and weigh it against your own values and say, okay, this is how I feel about that. Uh, When you're not a member of organized religion, when, you know, you've spent decades like I have rejecting organized religion, uh, I think things just become a little more confusing. So that was a long-winded answer. I'm sorry. The bottom line is I don't know what spiritual components of sex I value, but I wish I would like to take some more time to explore that. I'm really glad that you said that you conflate religion and spirituality together because I think I do the same. And once again, you've said it much more eloquently than I could have. I don't know enough about my own spirituality to feel like it intersects with my sexuality right now. So I'm going to have to shirk any responsibility for this question and say, let's revisit it in six months. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah, that's an interesting one. Okay. These, this one's a little more simple. Number eight, how often do you want to have sex? Right now, I want to have sex three to four times a week. I want it every other day, but I'd have it every day if I didn't have to do like any of the work. Like if I could just be the pillow princess who lies on my stomach. I didn't know that was a thing. Pillow princess? Well, pillow princess means different things to different people. So like there are some people who would consider a pillow princess somebody, for instance, me, if I have sex with women, they go down on me, but I don't bother going down on them. And then for other people, a pillow princess is someone who just lies there. Comme une étoile. Les Français, en français, étoile is a starfish or just a star. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, it's funny. We're kind of aligned But I don't think that we necessarily um, follow through with that. I would agree with that statement. And I also think that my desire to have sex, let's say three to four times a week, sometimes that's going to be real quick. Like not, I think when, when, if you were to ask me what I think about, you know, sex, when I think about the, the process, 
I think we default to this 30 to 60 minute ordeal where there's foreplay every time. And what? Don't you think people think what? about it that way? I don't. 30 to 60 minutes? I'm just saying when people think about having sex, what stops them from having the sex That's an episode day, of Top Boy. Day? Yeah, I know it is. Well, that's a great show. That's anyway. two episodes of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. But don't you think that people use it as uh, a reason to not have sex because it takes too long? Oh, that's a great point. Yeah, I, I do think that we avoid sex because we think it always needs to be a drawn-out affair. And listen, everybody's experience is different. Some people can get in the mood and get off in a minute or two. Other people do require more time to get in the mood. And so I think this is why we have to expand our definitions of sex, right? I think so many people think about sex as a penis in a vagina or lips on a penis or lips on the labia or lips on the clit. And, you know, I said something earlier that I'm sure will be at odds with how other people feel. I said that for sex for me, I, I want to have an orgasm. Like I pretty much always have an orgasm. Uh, it's very rare that I don't have an orgasm. But for other people, they can really enjoy sex without having an orgasm. So I want to be really clear that when I share my personal experience, it is not a gold star standard. It is not how it should be. It may not apply to you. It may not resonate with you. And that's perfectly okay. And you can have a far more satisfying sex life than me, even if you're not having sex the way I do it. So that's always my reticence to share my personal experience as a so-called expert. But, you know, I'm an expert in that I, I look at the data. I read the studies. But that doesn't mean that it all comes out in my sex life. It doesn't mean that my sex life is better than your sex life. In fact, oftentimes... I think my work detracts from our sex life, and that's that's something we could talk about another time. So I just I just want to kind of reiterate that uh, you know if you can have sex really quickly, that's fine. If you avoid sex because sex takes a lot longer, that's okay too, because frequency of sex is not the determining factor in sexual satisfaction. Now there is some data suggesting that more frequent sex is positively correlated with greater sexual and relational satisfaction. So if you have more sex, you're happier in your relationship. But the data also suggests that the relationship between those two things, sexual frequency and relationship satisfaction, is what we call curvilinear, meaning it maxes out. Uh, and it maxes out at around once per week. So you might find that more sex leads to, you know, happier relationship or greater sexual satisfaction or you might find that it won't it doesn't so you have to figure out what works for you and have these conversations with yourself with your partners rather than worrying about what we're doing the reason we're doing this is because we find it helpful for ourselves and because I think it can be interesting to hear what other people are thinking I wish I had 10 other couples here or throuples having this conversation because I would learn from each and every one of them so if we move on from sexual frequency, because we do need to wrap this up. This is a big question. How do you want to feel before, during, and after sex? Let's start with before. How do you want to feel before sex? In a perfect world, I'd want to feel completely relaxed. And I'd want to feel overwhelmingly desired. How do you want to feel during sex? I would love to be completely engrossed in the physical sensations and not worried about what else is or could happen around me. 
I would like to feel, I think I mentioned it earlier, I like to feel overwhelmed. Um, and that helps me to feel, when I feel physically overwhelmed, I feel more present. Do you want me to just start adding, like, just making some comments during sex to overwhelm you? <laughs> no. Okay. And how do you want to feel after sex? After sex, I want to feel, I want, I want to feel tired. <laughs> no, I want to be, I want to feel um, a sense of relief as though stress has been lifted from my body. And after sex, I want to feel really loved. I want to feel um, a lot of loving affection. Like I want to be hugged. I want to be kissed. I want you to pay attention to me. I want you to tell me you liked it. <laughs> you want that, uh, that validation? Yeah, I, I just want to feel close to you. But don't you think that that also changes from, because the way I feel right now, it sounds like all I want is a stress relief. But there are times where I feel completely different about what I want to feel before, during, and after sex. So I think it just depends on how I'm feeling. Yeah, one thing you didn't bring up that comes up in our sex life is you want to feel very desired. Oh, yeah. Like everyone wants you. <laughs> everyone or everything? <laughs> I, I don't know. No. I mean, that's certainly an element that... I enjoy. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, I think that's something we could talk about at another time too, that feeling of being desired and the fact that so many men and particularly straight men, that's an experience that many people never get to live out because of because of gender stereotypes and because of the onus of sexual initiation often falling on on men in the hetero context and on one partner in same-sex context as well. Okay, I wish we could spend more time on that, but we got to move on. How do you anticipate sex changing over time? Ooh, that's a big question. I hope that it continues to get better as we dive into greater understanding of what we want and need and enjoy. Can you be more specific? Well, I just think you hear about people saying that as they get older, their sex lives change. And my default assumption, and I'm making a, a blanket statement here, is just that as you get older, uh, sex can become can become more difficult, less frequent. Uh, and you know, you do hear stories about people who, as they age, really start to enjoy sex more. But I hear a lot of people, and I think. I, you know, friends and people that are just a bit older than me who have also said that it becomes less frequent because of the distractions of everyday life. And what I think that really boils down to is, you know, children changing, you know, your body changes as you get older. I mean, listen, babe, you're almost 40. I'm almost, almost 40. You're almost 50. I, <laughs> always giving me an extra decade on you. Um, but you know, as you get older, your body does change and things change and there are new um, experiences that maybe aren't always positive that, that, that happen. And I think that as those happen, you ha have to learn to accept them and change your sex life accordingly. Yeah, I think oftentimes the changes we associate with aging. So if you think about some of the physiological changes, um, you know, things that make you less comfortable. So for instance, when you hit perimenopause and you have thinning of the vaginal walls and less lubrication and certain types of sex like penetration can become uncomfortable or you know, erection takes longer to come or even ejaculation takes longer to produce. I think that those 
physiological changes are problematic if you only see sex as one specific act. The couples that I talk to who are having hotter sex in their 50s, in their 60s, in their 70s, and beyond, realize that those so-called challenges actually lead to exploration of other types of sex that are in fact more satisfying, right? Like we talk about it all the time. Sticking something in the vagina is probably not going to produce a mind-blowing orgasm in and of itself. But the rubbing and the grinding and the touching and the licking and the sucking and the vibing and the things that, you know, for example, queer folks are already doing, those sex acts that are considered corollary as opposed to considered sex itself when they are sex those are more likely to lead to orgasm anyway. So I'll tell you, I'm overall, I'm really excited about aging. Um, You know, I'm afraid of death, but I'm excited about, I don't know, just getting older and loving life even more because I'm really lucky where I feel like every year gets better. And even though, you know, there are different challenges we face with loss and with grief and, you know, life obviously doesn't last forever, I'm excited for life. And so, you know, me, I'm digressing, of course. And so because I'm excited for life, I'm excited for this relationship. I'm excited for sex. uh, And I'm excited to see how it changes. I I don't know how it's going to change. Uh, I imagine, just based on what other people have told me, we're going to broaden our horizons even more. And that, that, I don't know, it seems exciting to me. I would agree with you. I think the listening to the stories and what people especially queer folk, as you had mentioned, who are already kind of exploring different ways um, to have sex. Yeah. And like me, I, I, I told you, I, I could, you know, you can keep your penis in the next room <laughs> for all I care. But when you, when you do take the time to focus on different ways to get into the mood, to get, to kind of build up that anticipation, the sex is so much better. I, again, I'm just thinking about those times where we've taken the time to build up and to play and to and to explore whoo it's good it was really good so yeah I'm, I'm excited about getting older too and everything that comes along with it all right last question uh let's keep this brief we've talked about it a little bit already what sexual challenges do you face and how are you looking to address them so as you'd mentioned, I already talked about it. For me, it's being, uh, it's not being as present as I could be and being focused on what else is happening. How could I work on that? Um, I can work on that by focusing on being more present, not caring what else is happening around me, and probably taking your mindful sex course again, <laughs> learning how to focus. You didn't do the whole thing though. No, I didn't do the whole thing. I did a few of the videos and like everything I find that I spend time investing into, I always get something great out of it. Even watching you speak, having heard your speeches hundreds of times, I always feel like I'm reminded of something new that, um, you know, that that's going to benefit me. That's funny, because when I give a speech, I'm always reminded of something that I don't do. I'm like, hey, y'all do this. And I'm like, oh, I need to work on that, too. Yeah, you know, so what I face right now is I I feel that I don't prioritize sex as much as I could. I I feel like I don't prioritize myself and you as much as I could. 
um, because I work a lot and I do really love work, because my work requires so much travel, because I travel a lot personally as well. I don't like to be in the winter in Toronto and I'm lucky enough that I don't have to be. Uh, and the travel can be very tiring. And I think because I'm also super social, right? Like I, I like to be out. I like to be doing things. I don't like to miss anything. I have a serious case of FOMO. I don't think that I make enough time to take the time for sex that we could take. Uh, for example, over this holiday break, we were supposed to do this massage course together. So um, somebody sent me a massage course to try out as like an online touch course and we're supposed to do it so I don't know I think today's as good a day as any to start we didn't start when we were we were down in Jamaica and I honestly I, I was sick and then my family came down we had what two days alone together about that two and a half days yeah and then the family came and my cousin Annabella and I needed to play on the sup boards and do headstands and dance and enjoy what year is 2020 uh, oh, 2020 is Jessabella. Jessabella. It's the year of Annabella Jess. <laughs> Anyhow, yeah, so I was playing with my family, messing around too much. And so, yeah, I think that the challenge is just prioritizing. And people will say, like, how do you do that? Do you have any hacks? And, yeah, there are things you can do. You can put a reminder in your phone. You can look at your schedule at the beginning of the week and cut one thing for, from it so that you can prioritize your own health or your own, you know, sanity or your own mental health or your own spirituality or your own sex life. But ultimately, you just have to decide that it's a priority. And so one thing I've learned, one thing I learned in 2019 uh, was to stop saying that I don't have time because the bottom line is I don't make time. Because I have the exact same amount of time as everyone else. In fact, I, I, in some ways, I probably have more because I have more privilege, right? So I'm not working, even though I work a lot, I work for myself and I have a comfortable life. And so if I don't have time for something, it's because I'm not making time for something. And that's something that mid-year I realized uh, I'm gonna st I would stop saying I don't have time. And so if I want more sex or better sex or slower sex, which I think Brandon would enjoy... Uh, I think I need to make the time. I need to just decide. It, it's funny, too, because oftentimes we think that women want sex to last forever and men just want to get it in. And sometimes we fall into that opposite where I, I want it really quickly, mostly because I want to go to bed. Yeah. And sometimes I, I would agree. Uh, sometimes I, I want it to last longer, but not always. That's for sure. No? Sometimes it's just... We got to get it in. Yeah. Like just the, not that, like I just mean the time yeah. to get it in. Yeah. We yeah. know that the house is empty for eight minutes. Yes. We have a very short window. Let's capitalize. To get it done. Exactly. Well, I know that we rambled a little bit and talked about a range of topics that were veering just a little bit away from the sexual values questionnaire. But I think that's also the point of these question prompts is to remind people that God damn, there is so much to talk about when it comes to sex and relationships. There's so much to talk about, period. And I think these questions or even some of the other questionnaires that you have, that we've used in the past have been so interesting because so much else spins off from any one question. Anytime we've taken the time to invest into um, knowing more about our relationship or about our sex life or anything, I, I feel generally that some other super positive conversation has erupted where I've felt more connected to you 
I felt more invested into this relationship. And certainly it's also helped me, um, it's reminded me of how important this is. So then when we get into an argument, a dispute, something like that, it's easy for me to reflect back on why this is so important and why I want to invest the time and effort for it to succeed. Yeah. And we, we do have a course coming out and it has 50 different components and they're different exercises and questionnaires and, you know, conversations about everything from money to kids, to passion, to intimacy, to seduction, to relational values. So this was the sexual values conversation, but the relational values one to me is even more interesting and, and I would say more challenging because it's, it's a bigger topic. Sex itself actually is can be relatively straightforward. It's the relational components, the personal components, the spiritual components, all of those facets that that make it more nuanced and, and more complex. And of course, these are not one-time conversations. So I do hope you consider using them. Obviously, these are not the perfect prompts for you. If you want to change them a little bit, if you want to reword them, that's perfectly fine. If you interpret them differently than Brandon and I do, that's totally cool. There is no one right way. Uh, I don't have the gospel. I don't have the answers. I have, you know, perhaps some insights. And, uh, you know, I've spent a lot of time thinking and researching, but it doesn't mean that this is this is set in stone. I, I think if I were to revisit these in a year or two, I'll probably watch them evolve and change and edit. And so, of course, you can do that because you know better what you need than I do. I love going back and revisiting these questions because they do change. And it's interesting to hear and to see how they change. And like anything, when the conversation flows, once again, the, the relationship stands to benefit. Yeah. Well, thanks for doing this, babe. Thank you. Yeah. And thanks for listening, folks. Uh, it is 2020. And I hope the year's off to a good start. If it is good for you, keep it going. If it hasn't been a good couple of days, no stress. It can get better. We don't have to be too sentimental about it. So wherever you're at, I hope you have a great one. You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Improve your sex life. Improve your life.